As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for giving me an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. You're a freaking joy, a treasure, a talent. You're so many things. Let's just talk about your what you are really quick. You're a, a Reiki master. You're a medium. Yeah. Tell me all the tell me, give me all the titles so that people who aren't aware of you can know. Yeah, all the titles. Um <laughs> These days, I identify uh, as a medium and a Reiki master and okay. a witch. Okay. Yes, um, sort of hard. I think it's it's sometimes I think it's easier to to say those three things because the way that I work, I combine so many different modalities in in the work that I do. Um, so I am a medium, uh, meaning that I have the ability to communicate with spirit and um, channel messages. To them and from their loved ones. Um, and then I'm a Reiki master, which means that I uh, practice energy healing. And so um, my sessions with clients um, usually always have a component, if they're open to it, of energy healing that comes uh, along with um, my mediumship gifts and capabilities. And then, you know, I'm just a witch. So <laughs> You know, there's going to be spell work, there's going to be crystals, there's going to be uh, candle magic, because um, yeah. that's that's who I am, and that's um, that's who I've been before, and that's who I will continue to be. And Jess is, like, the real deal. Like, I know Jess from going to her um, for her services and her, and her talents, and I keep coming back because she's the real fucking deal. Um but let's talk about let's talk about bouncing back from stuff. So is there a moment in your life that you can think of, either a low point or a challenge, just a moment you were down and out that you overcame that you're most proud of? Uh and it could be a couple or yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love this. It's kind of, kind of, I mean, it it honestly goes hand in hand with me uh introducing myself as a medium um, and a witch and a Reiki master because mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've only really been out in the open about all of these parts of myself um, for about two years. Actually, this last December, 2022 was my second year celebrating um, really my coming out and the launch of me doing this full-time, um, moving into this career full-time. Um, and it was a traumatic experience <laughs> Wait, I don't even know if I know this. Like what was, because when I met you, it was like truly like, I feel like it was like January 2021 yeah. or something. Yes, it yeah. was. I was like, it was right at the beginning of, yeah. of, of me doing this work full time. Um, yeah, I'll never forget our first session. Um, I just, I loved you, loved working with you, loved who came through. It was just so special to me. Yeah. And and you probably didn't know, I, I don't know if many of my clients knew all of the details of what was going on um, in my personal life, because, you know, um, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have applied or been appropriate, but um, I did share, you know, I, I wasn't hiding it, you know, um, I'm not super active on social media right now, but I, when anybody asked me or talked to me about it in any kind of way that was visible, I was very openly sharing about how difficult it was for me, my experience coming out as a medium. Um, I say it was traumatic because for me, um, I have trauma from this life and from previous lives of um, um, being harmed for speaking my truth and taking up space and um, being who I am, <laughs> really honestly, just being harmed for being who I am. Um, and so it was very, very scary for me to really come out of the closet and fully own 
um, that I am a medium, that I have these gifts. It's not just a career that I'm doing. It's part of, it's, it's part of who I am. It's part of who I've always been. Um, it was traumatic to come out because I knew, um, you know, I wasn't like coming out and being like, I'm switching careers. I'm becoming an accountant. Mm. No, it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm coming out as something that is a really, um, interesting topic for a lot of people. It's, it's something that immediately is confronting for most people. Um, people have different responses to it. They're either like, cool, wow, I'm on board or like, oh my God, stay the fuck away from me. Or, you know, they have their own experiences and interpretations and understandings of, um, me, what I do, and also other people that they've had experiences with, perhaps other people that weren't honest with them or that they had fought back rough experiences with and whatever capability or in a, whatever, in a, whatever way. Um, but bouncing back from coming out was, uh, quite the process because it, 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 the most painful thing happened immediately, which is I, the first person I ever kicked out of the hollow, which is the name of the energetic space that I have access to where I do my healing. Um, I have a set of rules that I follow um, in order to respect the process and respect spirit. And um, anybody who comes in to work with me, we I'm super clear about it. It's really communicative about it. And the first person that ever broke every single one of my rules uh, in the middle of a session was my father. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, parents will, parents will do that. Parents will do that. And he was uh, the first person that I kicked out of the hollow. And I went into no contact with him for several, several months. I pulled the, like, I literally cut the cord, cut all cords um, to my father. And it was incredibly painful because what he was really doing was um, uh, he didn't believe me. And he was asking me to prove myself. And it was very painful, obviously connected to many of my other traumas that I had unhealed with my father. My mom still in contact with me at the time, still loving me very much, but com fully spooked, just completely spooked, like, la, 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 I don't want to hear about it, I don't want to know about it, like, um, you know, and I come from, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly um, Jewish, like, I'm 98.5% Ashkenazi Jew, so, like, by blood and both sides of my family, my mother's side and my father's side, culturally and religiously pretty Jewish, um, less on my father's side, more specifically on my mother's side. And um, at least in the way that I was raised, there wasn't a lot of mysticism talked about. Um, you know, there was, there were certain views of certain things. And I just, I just knew, I just knew that um, me claiming anything like this would, wouldn't have been, nobody was going to confirm what I was experiencing you know, um, most likely I was going to get some sort of response about probably like, that's not true, or you're making it up or that kind of a thing. Right. Um, and the other thing that happened is, you know, it was a series, it was many things. It wasn't just me coming out of, as a medium, but it was a huge, 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 huge part of it. And something that was said to me specifically, it was the medium stuff. I, I lost one of my best friends, one of my best friends of 16 years. Um, we had a falling out and a huge, huge piece of it was this person just couldn't get behind my choice to do this for my career or was that person or, like super religious or did they have like like what was the like kind of logic if there was any uh I honestly I, I don't want to make any assumptions but sure. I, I I do believe that it's this person's own experience to death that was um in the way, I mean, some of the things that were said, I, I think that, you know, they were um, coming after me about the prices that I was charging people using words like, um, you know, people have said scam artist, charlatan, fraud, you know, that oh type of thing. truly, you know, and, and something my cousin said to me, it was like, when he finally actually had the experience with me where he was like, oh my God, okay, you're real. Holy shit. He was like, here's the thing. There's a lot of people in your field that are scam artists and you know I've like had members of my family and other people say this to me you know um and I I get it you know and I'm just I'm the real you said it I'm the real deal I'm actually real I'm the real deal mm -hmm. 
And um, I know that it was incredibly confronting for a lot of people around me. And what I'll say today is after two years later, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, I'm in an incredible place with my parents today, both of them. Um, talk about bouncing back. Mm -hmm. That is really, really radical and truly wild going from like no contact to they have completely invested in my dream that I've created for the actual healing space of the hollow for the hollow to be a physical space that you can come to. Mm -hmm. um, and they invested in that dream at a point that I got incredibly sick this summer um, from COVID um, from, I have active Lyme disease right now that I'm treating and fighting. It's been an intense, everybody had their own pandemic experience um, I can't, I haven't heard one that wasn't intense, you know, um, and I'm someone who had COVID at the very beginning of the pandemic, literally the week we went into lockdown, I got sick mm -hmm. as an immunocompromised person and then sick again and have been treating. I've just, I haven't fully quite recovered yet, you know, um, but what's incredible is what has been recovered in this time, um, my relationship with my parents is, today is pretty unbelievable. What do you attribute? What do you attribute that to? Like the change um, in your relationship with your parents? Like how did that come about? You know, uh, with my dad, I I don't I don't I don't know if either of my parents ever thought that I would draw such a line in the sand, like literally saying, I, I refuse to be in contact with you. And I refuse to have any kind of cord that connects us and ties us to each other. Um, I, I know that that was shocking. I know it was painful for my mom to like watch me do that. I know that it inspired a lot of conversation and discussion for them and their relationship about you know, what was happening with me and their individual responses to it. Um, and in the meantime, I kept my head down and worked my fucking tits off and mm -hmm. continued to stick to the fact that my worst fears might come true in me stepping into this role and, and pursuing my dreams, which I might lose my parents. I might lose my best friends. There may be, I might lose people in this experience, but what I'm going to gain and what I'm going to be able to give will be worth it. Mm. And I just, I, 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 I knew that the amount of people that I would be able to serve and, and how I could give would be worth it. Um, and I just kept trusting that. And in the time that I did, um, my mom and I, sort of created a container where we would meet like once a week on a zoom and connect about other things. Like we had to find a way to connect, um, where it was comfortable. And then over time, she started like, she started expressing, I actually am trying to remember something happened first that came close to hand. Oh, I can't get into the full details of this. Yeah. But, um, something happened. I was a part of an uh, an investigation and gave a incredibly accurate reading for something that she knew about, and that was the first time it really clicked for her. Mm. And she was like, "Wait a second. Um, then she started wanting to hear about wanting to know a little bit more about what my sessions were like and learning a little bit more. We would go on these walks by the beach when I would visit her. And she actually became one of the only people that I would talk to about. It was kind of wild. Like she went from being like, no, 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 I don't want to hear to like the second she realized it was real and what something clicked and broke. She really opened herself up to, to supporting me and like realizing that what I was going through, my experience and realizing that I was like my whole first year of realizing my gifts and, and having these really wild moments that I was processing on top of these sessions that I was doing, 
she really showed up to be of service to me by holding space for that and um showed an interest in it and it we started developing a deeper bond and then it got to the point where she finally wanted and was open to receiving a message that came through from one of her guides mm -hmm. and um as soon as she had the experience with me, there was no denying it anymore for her, kind of confirmed everything. And from that point forth, she was just on board. Um, and um, dad came around and apologized. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's, I think like the apology part of it is like huge for me. Like, cause I, I don't, I have no contact with my dad like at all and he's like never apologized and like I don't know that my relationship with him would change if even if he did you know but like that would be a great first step um so the fact that that happened is like huge I don't know if your dad like nor if that's like um like within his personality or like if he that's something he normally does or like if that's like out of you know out of character for him or not it's um it, I think that he had an incredibly humbling experience in the pandemic and he would openly talk about that. I know that he's openly talked about becoming incredibly humble and realizing that he had hit a, 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 a point with his own behaviors mm -hmm. that were causing harm to the people he loved. Cause it wasn't just happening with me. It was happening in other areas where, you know, if you're acting out in one place and being, you know, a dick in one place, you're right. Probably being a dick in multiple other places yeah totally oh my god yeah you know I think he was really confronted by his own behavior and the fact that it wasn't working maybe he felt these ways but the way he was behaving was pushing people away from him and um it it it, it was really huge for my dad to humble himself and offer an amends and and an apology um he had seen like I am someone who learned the process of amends and apology in my early 20s and um, have demoed it. And so it's not new, it's not foreign to them, but is it integrated? Is it something that that is accountability and apologizing, something that that generation grew up with? Fuck no. Totally. Absolutely not. Totally. I haven't really met many people from that generation that it, it it's like a sin to admit you're wrong right um to take accountability for being human um you know like um so it's just so it's there's just so much I don't know if it's generational but yep it was huge and it was the beginning of us letting go of an old dynamic that we had both outgrown and establishing a new one together. And I've done with him what I did with my mom, which was have like a weekly, uh, like 30 minute Zoom once a week where we connect. You know, we call it the weekly Kiki. And I don't think they know what that is. Like, I think my mom has spelled it like KK many times, like K-E, like, I, like she doesn't know that it means that we're just gonna get together and chat and hang. Um, but we, we do the weekly, weekly Kiki and it, it, it's, there's this consistent safe container where we just show up and we're just loving with each other where there aren't any other triggers. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, cause family stuff, it's usually like, what's the set and the setting? What are all the other things that are triggering yeah. <laughs> the old dynamics? Right. Um, so, but this is a process I'm talking like it took two two years later, you know, my mom and my dad and myself are in a really beautiful place and so much has gotten healed, but it wasn't overnight. And it also requires, everybody has to want it. Yeah. Everybody has to want it. So there's the, you're right about the accountability and the, um, the willingness to admit when we're wrong. I fuck up all the time. I have been messy as fuck these last two years. Let me mm -hmm. tell you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, I know many people were probably like, I'm going to stay away from her until she's figured her shit out because <gasps> I can imagine like, if you think about like a new, um, someone like newly on the loose, you know, yeah. haven't fully refined their gifts yet, you know, um, 
And a lot of people had space for that and a lot of people didn't. And that's okay. And I took a lot of it personally and I wish I hadn't. Um, but it is what it is. But I, I think I think the accountability, the ability to, that's the biggest thing that I've seen. That's the biggest, that's my biggest pet peeve, actually, when we're talking about bouncing back, because I see this all the time. Like literally half of what I do in sessions is people people die in conflict all the time where things haven't gotten resolved. Mm. Well, often some of the most just some of some of the sessions that stay with me the most are the ones where I'm facilitating I'm a part of like a conflict resolution conversation that is happening that is pretty wild and it requires honesty vulnerability um it, it requires being able to take accountability for where where your own where your own fuck ups are like that is an equalizer mm -hmm. you know mm, yeah yeah it really is and I love that you put it that way because it's like yeah because we've all fucked up yeah yeah and like trauma always makes somebody a villain mm. you know? and believe me my trauma likes to make everybody a villain and so like the process of bouncing back too also had to be like me getting help, like getting additional help for some of the things that were triggering me to where I was having, um, uh, you know, hysterical, historical responses to things, you know, like I said, me coming out as a medium was traumatic for me because I have history of like, this does not go well potentially I die. Like my brain was like, you will die from this. Like that is how my central nervous system was responding a lot of the time because the people around me that meant safety and security were like, no, bye. Mm. You know, yeah. so it like felt like in many ways, my whole world was falling apart while a whole new part of myself was emerging, being were birthed. You, were you ever like, uh, okay, I'm losing people around me that are my safety. Maybe I shouldn't do this thing. Or were you always like, and I ask because that has been me where I'm like, okay, am I missing something? Because everybody around me seems to be uh, uh, not agreeing with what I'm doing right now. And believe me, I've also been the person where it's like everybody around me, like I'm the one that's not fitting in and there's something wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, oh, how yeah. do I, where's the discernment? How, what's exactly. The Cause I like, like obviously with my relationships up that you're familiar with, it's like, I'm always, should I do this? Should I not? Should I do this? Like no one else seems to be like agreeing with me here. Maybe I'm the weird one. Maybe I'm the wrong one or the crazy one. And ultimately, like I decided, no, I'm right in this. Like I feel, but like, how did you make that differentiation? Because I feel like it could have been easy for you to be like, you know what? Never mind. I'll just do what whatever I was doing before. This is too hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes back to um there were really only the truth was um, outside of this one friend that couldn't hang and outside of what happened with my mom and my dad, of course, there was stuff that happened with the extended family and such, but it wasn't showing up anywhere else. Mm, got it. Okay. Personally, um, everything else was saying, fuck yes. Everything else was saying, fuck yes. Mm. Um, everyone else was saying, fuck yes. There were only, honestly, the pe in terms of who mattered to me, really, there were only three people that didn't get on board right away in terms of who really mattered to me. Um, and um, I'm still grieving the loss of that one friend. And who knows, maybe we'll be back again. Um, but, but and it's complicated, but, but, but going back to, here's how I also knew I had to trust. I had to trust that my intuition, I had to trust that it did not matter what other people's experiences were 
they were, first of all, they had the right to have their own experiences. My dad had the right to have his own experience and their own, you know, like I'm not the person to take that away from anybody. I just didn't like it. And that's okay too. Um, but I had to trust that me stepping into my full self and that upsetting other people or, or pushing other people away. Um, like I said, the amount of people and that, that, that what was happening with that pain, I knew that that would heal and grow me and make me stronger because what, what, what I was doing, everything that I was doing amidst this terrible pain was giving me the kind of life that I was on, I, it was like, I had been wanting to know what it would feel like to feel so completely in my purpose for so much of my life. And it finally happened. Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, wow, this is so sad. But if me being in my purpose, in my fullest, truest expression of myself, where I literally am of service to people if that's not going to work for someone, that really has to be okay. Like that really has to be okay. That's not insanity. That's not me being like, oh, I'm wrong here and everybody else is right. That's like, oh, we're not in alignment. Mm. You know? Yeah. How did you, I have a couple of thoughts. First, you talked about like acceptance. And I feel like that's like a huge thing that I'm like hearing about is like this radical acceptance for what is not like the potential, you know, not, not the past or the future, but the radical acceptance for what is happening right now in this moment. And you mentioned it for like your dad, just like accepting that this is, this is what it is right now, but also accepting that like, you know, yourself better than anybody else. And this is your truth and you know who you are and, and and being able to stand in that, I think is, is hard for a lot of people, you know? Yes. Um, can I tell you it, that my first year as a medium was one of the loneliest years of my life. Mm. It, it, it was inc- incredibly hard and it forced me to have to seek connection and support in other areas. Right. And, where did and you, where, yeah, where did you find that? I had, I literally (laughs) on my knees started making calls and go, who has a medium mentor? Does anybody Mm -hmm. else know another medium? And I specifically was saying, no, I don't need someone to teach me how to be a medium. I don't need a therapist. I need, like, I do need a therapist, but I need to talk to someone who understands what I am going through. And what it's like to not only do this work on a daily basis, but what the process of coming out and how it affects the people like, like this is a, again, it was traumatic for me and, and also apparently for people around me, you know, not apparently it was, it was intense for people around me. Um, And so I, I got to the point where it's like, I need more help. I need more support. I need a, this is a very niche situation. And I immediately started working with another spiritually gifted medium um, who also was a guide and someone that I, and, and I shifted my therapy. I upped my support and, um, and by me being who I was, I ended up meeting and attracting new people that some which didn't stay, but some which have that over time have been much more vibrationally attuned to where we are now. And that's the thing about friends, relationships, you know, um, sometimes we come together for seasons. Sometimes we come together for lifetimes, you know, sometimes we have times together and times apart. We come back together. I don't know what the end of the story will be um, for me and this other friend. I do know what I think is 
it like I what I can't believe Rebecca I never ever imagined in my lifetime that I would have um the uh, the kind of authenticity and the kind of communication that I have today with my sister with my mother with my father um what's happened in terms of my family healing is beyond my wildest dreams wow and I know how lucky it is I know it because I've I, I, I see I see how many people in life don't get that with people who are alive and then I see how many people lose it to death and so to experience sort of um what feels like to me like a real if God forbid my mother or my father or I, if any one of us were to pass, I can say like, oh my God, there are no resentments. There's nothing unsaid. There's nothing unhealed right now between myself and my immediate family members. Mm-hmm. And that's wild. Yeah. That's and, really wild. And And do you attribute that to like, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that started with like you setting the boundary of no contact, right? Like that's how this initially yes. started, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is like huge because that's like a huge step to take that people are, and rightfully so, like scared to do that. Like that's that's not an easy thing to do. But then in addition to that, it's like everybody, like you said, everybody has to be on board to do their part and right. to take accountability because if that's not the case and you can't move forward um right. it's not authentic you know so to have like the stars align and that like and, and what i mean by that is like every person that it, that you needed to heal decided like okay i will also do this with you is huge you're 100 percent right it does feel it is as if the stars aligned it does feel that lucky to me it does it's rare yeah i know it i yeah. see it yeah. It's been just in two years of, I've barely begun. I've only mm-hmm. been doing this for two years. And I, you're right. Like for every single, like that is unusual. Mm-hmm. People have always said that to me about my parents or my sisters, like, you know, for, for all of, all of our families, we all have some kind of dysfunction, something we've inherited that no longer works, that doesn't work for <laughs> the world we're living mm-hmm. in today. Right. For all of our dysfunction in the Perlman clan, every single person wants so badly to love each other every person wants so badly to have a loving relationship just for so long we didn't know how yeah we just did not know how um and so yeah it doesn't I'm really glad that because of the work that I do, like I don't take for granted for, I don't take for granted. I'm confronted with death all the time. So I don't take for granted, like the fact that I'm 36 and my folks are in their late sixties now. And, um, I feel grateful that this last part of whatever, this last chapter of their lives, um, it's 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 going to look different than how I ever possibly thought could have imagined it would, just based on who I was, even three years ago. Do you feel like you have changed as a person? I mean, it sounds like. Well, I have a couple of questions. I have so many questions for you. Um, hey, this is. Uh, I love this. Um, so you can't see my face at all. It's so funny. I can see it. I can see it. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Um. Well, okay. I guess it's like a two-part question. But first of all, like, this is kind of off topic, but like, how did you decide, actually not decide, how did you, um, no, I guess it's decide to come out as a medium. Because like, you've ob- obviously always been a medium. So it's not like that. It's not a decision that I'm assuming. I guess I don't know. I'm assuming here. Because it's not like a decision that you made. Um, it's actually like, really funny because the one friend that I lost was like, you just became a medium overnight. Right. It just happened overnight. Mm-hmm. Which was so funny to me because yeah. um, I've been seeing spirits since I was a kid. Exactly. Which is like, it's kind of strange the parallels between this and like, 
you know, as a queer person myself being like, that's pretty similar. Cause it's like, no, I've always been this way, you know, but like, I just didn't let it be known to the friggin' humanity or whatever, you know? Yes. Or I was afraid to explore it. Yes. All of that. All of that. Mm-hmm. And both and. Yep. Um, I didn't know I I didn't know my whole life that I was a medium. I knew that I was unbelievably sensitive because specifically my father always made sure to tell me how unbelievably sensitive I was and that I was sure. too sensitive for the world. Yeah. Turned out to be my sensitivity is is like my superpower. Yep. You know, literally how I receive in psychic information is through my senses. So um yeah. Um, oh, I'm having a Lyme moment. What were we talking about? My brain. We were talking about how you kind of came, like what, what, what made you come out for? Yes. Right. Cause I wasn't, I was right. Okay. Um, so it's a combination. I think it was a combination of, uh, set and setting and timing, honestly, having COVID at the beginning of the pandemic as, as someone who was already sick and treating, um, I was in isolation for a long period of time and, um, uh, having really scary experiences with breathing, but not being sick enough to need to be hospitalized at that time. Um, and, uh, in this time, uh, I felt so hopeless and helpless with how much I could be a part of. This was, you know, um, when all of the um, protests and everything happened in the summer and I was literally sick and still recovering from COVID, I felt so powerless and not able to be a part of such a huge political moment um, in time. And so I started, it was the first time that I like really kind of publicized uh, Reiki and doing Reiki for donation. And I had, I hadn't really been out about the fact that I was a Reiki practitioner. Um, and I, it was something that I felt like, okay, at least I can change, I can do something. I can offer something and for donation. And in that time I had, um, several of my first like, uh, readings with, um, people that I didn't know. And so I had, these experiences where I channeled incredibly detailed, accurate psychic information, some from people that were still alive. And so um, it was actually someone that I was dating at the time that I channeled for that was like, this is unusual. This is not just like you have gifts, like this is special. Um, And he really encouraged me to explore them and to really in 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 explore more sitting with my magic and sitting with my gifts and and my witchcraft and um it got to the point where by december december of 2020 um i had been uh diagnosed at that point with active epstein bar undiagnosed with the lyme but stick and starting to treat and it was um to me i felt how insanely i felt the insane depression of the collective of December, 2020, Mm. like nobody alive in this time had, had lived through anything this bleak, you know, the pandemic. Um, I was in California, literally I had been, we evacuated where we were living because of fires. It was just a really intense time. And I could feel like December, something happens in December for a lot of people, trauma transition. And I just felt, I, I just felt this, like, what can I, offer at such a bleak time like what can I give to the world what could I offer right now like nobody so many people don't even have money to like buy holiday presents for their loved ones this year like this is so intense like what can I offer and I put it out that I was going to offer like $50 Reiki things and like $25 like I did clean beauty stuff before too so I put like $25 like clean beauty things nobody bought those five people bought the Reiki sessions And one of them was like, ha ha ha, this isn't a Reiki session. Like, yes, you're doing Reiki, but you're also a medium. Are you aware of that? So all of this is to say that it was the people that I was working with that were saying to me, like, you are incredibly gifted. You have a gift here. This isn't just 
you are a medium. Like it was my clients and the people around me that I was starting to share my gifts with, that I felt safe enough to share my gifts with that were like, hey, this is what it is. Because if you think about it, the world around me wasn't confirming it in Mm. I I grew up in a household that wasn't going to confirm it. So all of a sudden I started finding people in the world around me that were, they were confirming it. Um, And then what happened was those five people each sent me like more people and by referral. Yeah. The, like the rest of my January filled up. And so I do this full time now from, from it, it all, it was divine. It, it, it all happened. And I sort of feel like I, I heard, I know the calling because it wasn't like just accidental. I felt the calling. I felt the moment where I like made a contract with the universe that I would do this work full time. If it would support me mm. like, like universe, I am asking you, like, if I, if, if you, if you want me to do this work full time, I am willing to do it. I will be honored to do it as long as you support what is in my highest good Mm. and it's reciprocal. Like I will do this work if you want me to, as long as it can support me and support everyone in that. And that's just what's happened, you know? Yeah. Have you always been, um, so like great with boundaries and with trusting yourself and knowing yourself? Is that something that you've always had, or is that something that you've had to cultivate? No, I've completely had to cultivate okay. that. Yeah, no, I, I. Cause you mentioned I, something about like in your early twenties, like learning to like make amends and all of that. So I'm curious, like, was that the time that you started learning more about like yourself and trusting yourself or like, how did that happen? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, in, in my early twenties, I hit bottom with my depression, with my anxiety, with my eating disorder, with, um, with the way that I was moving through the world in general, all of my tendencies where I was abusing people, places, and things and substances, I just needed help and, um, dove into lots of different avenues of therapeutic support and modality. And so that was in 2010. Um, so, I mean, the concept of, um, boundaries and self-care, I mean, that, that a lot of these concepts were brand new revolutionary concepts to me that I learned for the first time, you know, September, you know, fall, winter of 2010, but, have taken 11 years to integrate. Yep. You know, it's just a process in terms of like learning it here, uh, healing what's in here so that you can learn it in here. Yeah. You know, like it's, there's, if there's no space to learn something new in the body, you have to release and heal like what's in the body so that the new stuff can integrate sort of my experience, you know? Yeah. Like what, what modalities did you, um, work with at that time, whether it's like talk therapy or I don't know if there's like body work or if you got Reiki done on yourself or yeah. like, I mean, this is interesting because, you know, I went to uh, different 12 step programs. I was in talk therapy, um, lots of different avenues. And I will say the, the, the thing that really kicked shifted everything was when I started working with a Reiki practitioner. I started working with a Reiki master. Um, and in my experience with her, uh, opened my world and opened my horizons. And then I found for me, um, that what was at the basis of most of my stuff was unhealed, uh, unprocessed trauma. And I also needed to be, uh, I, I, ha- I needed certain, um, treatment and medication for some of the diagnoses that I had. Um, and so for me, it wasn't until I started really doing group and talk and like, that is all good and well, as we know, the body keeps the score. And so it was talk therapy only got me so far. It wasn't until I started doing somatic work, uh, work in the body, work, spiritual work in the body, energy work in the body, and then therapeutic somatic work in the body 
Um, that's what really changed the game for me because I had done really everything that I could up here and in here, but that did not actually address the unhealed trauma that was still stored in my body. Yeah. I relate to that so much. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of people in our society are like, oh, well, I go to therapy, like I go to talk therapy. So like, I'm good, but it's like, and yeah, that's, it's so great. Talk therapy is great. Like I, I'm in talk therapy. It's great. I love it. I would all, I'm always going to do it, but also we got, we can't like forget about like the mind body connection. And if we're like neglecting our vessel, it's going to be really hard to heal the rest of ourselves, you know, but I feel like we don't talk about body work a lot. Well, it's so funny. I was talking about this the other day as if the mind body connection is like, um, a, like the fact that that's a concept that we're still like the fact that the mind and body are not separate is, is still something that our society is, is not fully accepted. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, um, Yes, talk therapy is so important, even just to go from a place where you are not keeping it inside anymore and you're actually asking for help, you're telling the truth, you're talking about what's happening is super important. And also um, the mind, the body, the soul, the emotions, it is all interconnected, completely connected. And so we're never going to holistically get what we need across all levels if we're only addressing one or two parts of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. If, if somebody wants to do, um, body work, but like, like, let's say like they don't have someone in their town who does Reiki or that, that doesn't have that, uh, a therapist that doesn't do somatic work, is there something that you do at home that you could recommend to somebody or do you, do you really think like, oh, you really need to find a professional? Well, I think that's what's like so incredible about Reiki is like, it just decolonizes magic a hundred percent. It's like, it's like, you can have, you can have it. You can have it for yourself. Like I was working with a Reiki master. And then the reason why I decided to become attuned to even just have one level of Reiki in me was because I was sick and my cat was sick. Both of us had mystery chronic conditions that hadn't been diagnosed yet at the time. We were living these parallel sick creature lives. Mm -hmm. And again, in a moment of powerlessness, I wanted agency. Mm. And so I was like, well, I will give it to myself. And it was a one-time fee for a training and an attunement. And all of a sudden, I had uh, tools in my in my hands. I didn't have to go anywhere for it. I had a way to use my breath and my hands to somatically connect with myself. And it was like my own healing right here, right now without needing anybody else after that initial thing. And that was incredibly empowering was to know mm-hmm. that it starts, it can start here, um, you know? And then I will say like the thing that's amazing about, in the pandemic, I didn't work with anybody in person for the whole first part of my right. business. Everything was virtual. Um, I'm a Reiki master, which means I'm not limited by time and space. I'm not limited. Um, have we worked virtually? Yeah, I think that's, I was just thinking that. I, I was like, wait a second. It had to have been because yes. if it was in like January or something of 2021, it had to have been. We're still in lockdown and yeah. um, you can feel it if you're um, some people will literally uh, still feel it as if it's happening in person when it's happening virtually, when you're channeling Reiki energy work. And I will say, um, I work with a somatic therapist practitioner personally. I'm, I do my own trauma. I'm in my own trauma therapy right now once a week and we work virtually. Mm. And so that's what I think that's so incredible. Like, and I'm not taking away from in-person work. In-person work is so important. That's why I built. Right. Uh, you know, the hollow so that there is an in-person space for people to come. And also, yeah, I want more than anything, anybody that I work with to walk away with, like whether they end up working with me long-term or not to walk away with knowing that they have the ability to give themselves what they like, that it starts with, it starts here. It starts with me, Mm. you know, 
Um, and that, yeah, if you want, if you want that kind of healing, um, it's like, what is that thing when, when, when the teacher appears, I'm going to totally misquote it. When your student is ready, the teacher appears. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Don't know which brilliant soul said that, but when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. That's um, such a, it's so true. It's so funny when you like hear that and then you think back to like the moments when you needed something and then there it was, you know? Once. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just no shame in wanting help and wanting healing and wanting to have agency and wanting to receive. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm part of the force in the world that wants to destigmatize that, you know, I, I, I just, for, for some of my family members, me just being out is a rebellious, like me being out as queer for some people being out as queer is going to be a rebellious action to the people that they're uh, surrounded by. Um, me being out in the world as a witch and a medium is a uh, can is rebellious for some people. It's uh, taking up space in a way that makes other people potentially feel uncomfortable, um, you know, but I'm all about that because we're living in a time, I mean, we're living in a time where we're so divided and so um, that let's all get more comfortable with having really uncomfortable conversations, <laughs> you know, like let's, let's go. Honestly, that's like such a part of life is like learning how do you how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable because it's like the only constant in life is change. Right. So how do we begin to get comfortable in the uncomfortable? It's such an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it is. Like how do we begin that? I mean, for me it's like creating safety, creating some source of safety. Mhm. Mm even if yep. it feels even if it's a bit of an illusion creating yeah. some source of safety to help us it's like that's why they say act as if maybe it's an illusion but it's going to work you know when they say if you're going in for a new job interview and they say oh dress for success you know it's like there's these little tools that we hear around that like and maybe it's an illusion or maybe it's something that's helping us get into character or access something but who cares it's allowing us to access something yep i couldn't agree more could not right. agree more. Yep. One thousand percent. This is not on. This is a little off topic, but I'm just interested. And I know that people are going to be interested. So I'm going to ask it anyway. Well, how has well, has your relationship to death? Has that changed since coming out as a medium? Wildly. It has. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, OK, OK, OK. How? Yeah, my whole understanding of death, my whole concept of death. Um. You know what? Can I tell you what's changed even more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My concept of life. Oh, okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. I love that answer. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't want anyone to think I have any or all of the answers about death. Uh, I don't. I've just seen. Uh, so many different types types of death probably in a way that m most people wouldn't in terms of how I'm inundated with it but I've seen so many different types of death I've seen tragic death I've seen beautiful death I've seen death connect people I've seen it, it bring them further apart I've just seen I've seen things in connection to it that have totally changed my view of it because one of the things I think that blows me away the most is what spirit chooses to communicate when, when spirit comes through about, like to me, it's an act of love. Like to me, only an act of love would, would like could a force penetrate to communicate like it takes it's like you said when people come together to heal they have to want it mm. and to me that's an act of love when when you're willing to put down when you're willing to sacrifice something or put something down 
in order to potentially move the collective towards something greater or to heal or to to move towards something greater. Um, I think why I was going to say my view of life has really actually changed more is because I, my concept of time and space has changed a lot. I want to say this in one way where it's like, I feel like I live totally differently now because of the work that I do. Um, in other words, this thing with my family, like it's not, it, I've always known that time is precious, but like, I can feel how badly when a spirit wishes they could inhabit a physical form to give somebody a hug one more time. And so I know it's intense and I am intense and it's not always so serious because life really isn't always that serious. And also, I don't care if someone's not going to say, I love you back to me. Um, I'm not going to live my life for, I, I will never play small again. Mm. I will never play small again. Ever. I will compromise in the highest good of all, but I will never play small again. Um, because more than anything I've seen that the, the reasons I played small were they were illusions or they were somebody else's story or somebody else's narrative. Most of them were not mine or they were mine carried back from something else. Um, um, or if they were real, that I, I was strong enough to, to, to not play small, even if what was, um, my whatever the challenges or the obstacles were even if they weren't illusions and they were very real that i like bring them bring them on let's go why not mm -hmm. what else am i here for what am i doing totally you know I, yeah yeah <laughs> just I'm, okay, I'm gonna ask you one more question but before i do you do know that like you inspire me so much, right? Because like how you speak and how you talk and the work that you've done both for yourself and others for the highest good of all is, it blows my mind. And like, I can just tell how much thought you've put into everything and how much of yourself and your soul and your energy you've put into everything. And every time I talk to you, it's just inspiring to me and it makes me want to be more like that. And I just, I wanted you to hear that. Um, so take that, take that for what it's worth. So saying that to me. I receive that with so much love and it means so much coming from you because you inspire the fuck out of me. <laughs> really, I, so I mean, much. I know your listeners will agree, but I, to me, you are one of the, um, you're one of the brightest stars, one of the, the, sparkiest flames oh, of energetic spirit that I've come across and I never I'm always I'm like I can't wait to see what she's creating next thanks I'm always excited to see what you're creating next that means a lot to me um my last question for you is if if you could give a piece of advice or talk to your younger self what would you say to her Mm. Ah. <laughs> I <laughs> what dropped in was um, another quotation that I'll I'll fuck up on this podcast. I heard that like old like dance like no one is watching. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Except what came through was like I saw a version of myself like as a I, oh my God, I, I had such a hard time with how I looked and my body and everything as a preteen. And I like saw this version of myself that honestly, all I wanted to do was like invent dances in my room with my friends and like, you know, that kind of a thing. And I just heard like, dance like everyone's watching and don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, don't dance like no one's watching. Dance like, who cares? Dance like who cares who's watching? Yeah. Um, yeah. is sort of, it's something that, um, and I think RuPaul, like if I were to pick one hero, if I could only mention one hero, I would say in my lifetime for me, RuPaul is pretty up there. 
But something that Rue says is like, I'm too busy loving on the people that love me to worry about converting haters or giving oh. to people that don't understand me or don't are not in alignment. And I wish so badly that I could say that um, to my younger self, um, like, like put your energy elsewhere, yeah. you know, cause I think for so long, I, I thought something was wrong with me. So I thought I needed to keep working with the sources that were misaligned to like make it work. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it comes back to the acceptance. Like sometimes it's not personal. Sometimes you're just not in alignment, like go where the love is you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that so much. And like, I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but like, it's, exa it's exactly that quote. It's like loving the people, like for focus on like appreciating and loving mm -hmm. the people who love you rather than trying to change the minds of the people who don't. Right. Yes. yes. And I love that. And I absolutely love that. Yes. I love you. I thank love you. you. So, thank so you. Much. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for giving me an hour of your time. I, you know, I'm obsessed with you. You already I know, know I'm that. Obsessed with you. I love you. I this love you. So much fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Jess Perlman. Jess is a medium. She's a Reiki master. She's a witch. She's all the wonderful magical things. You can find more out about her and the services that she offers by going to her website, which is tothehollow.com. I will link it uh, in the description page of this episode. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. Thursday.